Well, there are sheep in our hymns and sheep in our readings and sheep in the 23rd Psalm, which can only mean one thing. It's good. <laughs> it's good Shepherd Sunday. If you have been around the church year a few times, you know that the fourth Sunday of Easter is always devoted to this beloved image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. I am not sure why it always shows up in this particular season, but it does, every year, giving us time to dwell with the sort of image that's there on the cover of your bulletin today. Jesus leading the flock, maybe with one errant sheep draped lovingly across his shoulders. That's where we are today. Except if you listened to our gospel reading carefully just now, you might have noticed that Jesus actually describes himself as something else this morning. Today, Jesus calls himself the gate. This is not nearly as well-known or widely celebrated an image for Jesus as the Good Shepherd. I don't know of one single hymn that draws on it. If you know, tell me later if you know of one. It comes up just once every three years in the lectionary, and I'm going to put it on my list of examples of God having a sense of humor that we are reflecting on Jesus the gate at the moment when our own church gate happens to be missing. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, that gate out front has stood unmoved in that spot for more than 250 years. And when we finally send it off for a couple of weeks to be repainted and renovated, in pops Jesus saying, I am the gate. Make of that what you will. It is Good Shepherd Sunday, and in our reading from John 10, Jesus does start off talking about sheep and shepherds. There's an elaborate parable, or at least an image there, with a whole slew of characters. There's a shepherd, and a gatekeeper, and a thief, and a bandit, and a stranger. The shepherd and the gatekeeper have the sheep's best interest at heart. They know the sheep and care for them. The others are clearly interlopers, with only their own gain in mind. Jesus lays this image out for his audience, but the text says that everybody's a bit confused. He didn't say who was who in this seemingly allegorical picture, after all. So Jesus tries another image entirely. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, he says. He will call himself the good shepherd later on. You can read later into chapter 10 today if you want to or you can wait for Good Shepherd Sunday next year. Today, Jesus is the gate, or the door. This is not the most cherished of Jesus' many I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life is certainly higher on the list. I am the light of the world is up there too. I am the resurrection and the life. There are many beautiful and beloved ways Jesus speaks about who he is and what his ministry is about in this Gospel. I am the gate doesn't have the same poetic ring to it. And I think for many of us today, there is actually a bigger problem as well. Because we know about churches and barriers. Some of those barriers are and have been absolutely intentional. Churches have deliberately excluded people on all sorts of grounds because they're the wrong type of Christian or believe the wrong things, or have the wrong color skin, or the wrong sexual orientation. 
Some barriers might be somewhat less intentional, but they are still every bit as real. Churches have spoken and acted in ways that have left otherwise interested persons out in the cold. They've been preoccupied with themselves and have missed the chance to welcome others. They've presented themselves as closed clubs with places for only a chosen few rather than wide open tables with room for all. I imagine we all know stories of someone taking a step toward the church and finding a barrier in her way. The free grace of God locked behind sky-high walls. Maybe that has been your experience at one point or another too. Maybe you have bumped up against one or more of those walls yourself. We know about churches and barriers, so when Jesus shows up saying, I am the gate, it can sound like exactly what we do not need him to be. Here in 2023, after far too much exclusion in the church, we need the boundary-breaking Jesus, the wide-welcoming Jesus, the rule-disputing Jesus, not the Jesus setting up more obstacles and more barriers, not the Jesus blessing the walls that we continue to build. It can be tempting then to just kind of look past this whole gate image altogether and pretend it's not there, to just move right on to the cuddly sheep and shepherd stuff. But it is there. And actually, I think there's far more to this image than it might seem at first. To get there, we need to back up a little bit in the Gospel of John. Chapter 9 of this book, which comes right before our reading today, follows a lengthy story of Jesus healing a man who was born blind. Jesus and his disciples approach this man who is begging by the side of the road, and the disciples, reflecting common understandings at the time, ask whose sin is responsible for his condition, him or his parents. Jesus responds that sin has no part in the equation at all, and he proceeds to take a bit of mud and place it on the man's eyes and then to tell him to go and wash in a nearby pool. The man does as he's told, and lo and behold, his vision is there. Jesus is then nowhere to be seen through the encounters that follow. It is actually his longest absence in the Gospel of John. And for 26 verses, this man who has never before seen sees one group after another, unable to accept his healing. His neighbors are puzzled, unsure if this is even the same person they have known all these years. Maybe it's just someone who looks a lot like him, they say. The Pharisees are angry with the man since his healing took place on a Sabbath day. How could you possibly say good things about a healer who clearly shows no respect for tradition and order, they say. The man's parents are a bit afraid of all the attention and anger this healing is generating, so they shrink back instead of standing by their son. We're not sure what's going on, they say. You can go and ask him yourselves. The man's eyes are opened not to a world of welcome and joy, but to accusations and divisions and anger. His own neighbors and even his family don't know what to do with his unconventional healing, and in the end, he's driven out of town, excluded from the only community he has ever known. It's a tragic story, actually but it's not over yet. Jesus hears that the man has been driven out and he goes and finds him. The Pharisees drop back in at this point, wondering what's going on, and that's where our reading starts. There's no break between that story and the reading that we all heard this morning. 
This is actually a familiar pattern in the Gospel of John. Jesus performs a sign of some kind. There's a dispute with people who don't recognize or understand the sign. And then Jesus speaks about the meaning or purpose of what he's just done. It happens time and again throughout the Gospel, and it clearly happens right here. Our reading today fits this pattern exactly. So chapter 10, the part we read today, all this stuff about sheep and shepherd and gates is actually the discourse on the blind man's healing. It is Jesus's commentary on what has just happened right there. And when you read it that way, it sounds profoundly different. When this man found himself rejected by others, he found acceptance and welcome in Jesus. When this man found himself lost, he found a path and a way forward in Jesus. When this man found himself without a community, he found a new flock and a new shepherd in Jesus. When this man found closed doors all around him, he found an open door in Jesus. Jesus is not the sort of exclusionary gate we have seen in churches far too often, one that keeps out those from the margins of society or those who are different in some way or those who are lost or alone. No, for those who have been set aside, locked out or told they don't belong, Jesus is a gate of welcome, a path forward, a promise of security and belonging and life in his company. He is a gate to gather and to include. Make no mistake though, a gate does keep some things out and Jesus means to do that too. Inside Jesus the gate, there is no room for hatred no room for bigotry, no room for she is not worthy or he is not like us. Jesus' words of acceptance and grace and hope draw a wide circle, a wide fold where there is room for all, but no room for words that would harm, no room for actions that would belittle. I can't help but come back to our missing front gates one more time. I don't know if you have spent time looking at them before, but they are stunningly beautiful, well worth renovating and preserving. At the very top of the gates, way above where you would normally look, there are intricate images of flowers and vines twisting around the bars of the gate. Take a good look sometime when the gates are back in place. I imagined the doors of the gate were designed that way to honor what happens inside the church to honor this place where the gospel is proclaimed and faith in Jesus is shared. But when we think of Jesus as our gate, we enter through him into much more than just a building. We enter through him into a way of life, a way that is gracious and loving, filled with possibility, open to others, ready to serve, ready to include those who have been left out or tossed aside. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, he says. That is what we enter into through Jesus, the beautiful gate. Not only some distant reality after death, but a present one, here and now. Abundant life in following Jesus, in life in his way of including and embracing and journeying together. That is the invitation. That is the promise. So in we go, friends, through the gate again.
Thanks be to God. Amen.